Good morning. Old Testament reading is from the book of Exodus, chapters, chapter 20, verses 1 to 17. In your pew Bible, that is on page 118. Hear the word of the Lord. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third or fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord has is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The New Testament reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. In your pew Bibles is on page 1648. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins and the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he says, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? The temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words Jesus had spoken. He rendered the reading. May the Lord write these words upon our hearts with love and with understanding. Amen. Let us pray.
God, speak to us this morning. Lord, show us who you are and your plan for our lives. And Lord, may we hear it, may we receive it, and may we be changed. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I was listening this week to a famous, well-known podcast, and the host was speaking with his guest, and much of the conversation centered on the mental health of children. And in the course of that conversation, the, uh, the, the, by a uh, social psychologist, which is some of the best research on children's mental health. It's been validated again and again and again and again over the decades since it was first um, undertaken. And the research shows this, that children thrive, and their mental health is much more stable when they grow up in an environment with structure and rules. If any of you have had kids, maybe you know that kids really do, and I think most parents here could probably anecdotally speak to this. Children thrive when there is accountability and structure. My four-year-old thinks she could eat ice cream every meal of every day, and then as a snack all through the day. She doesn't know better. Maybe there's, what did you say, maybe there's some adults who want to do that too? She needs parents to implement a a structure, a set of rules to govern and guide her life at her age. And as I was thinking about that particular interview and what I was listening to, I thought, isn't it just incredible? that all the way down, even to familial relationships between parents and children, that God has implemented a pattern in relationships, going all the way back to the Ten Commandments. You see, for human beings to thrive, little children in the home and, 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 and you and I, in our relationships with God and with one another, we need structure, we need accountability. Because why? We're sinful, we're fallible, we're imperfect. There's so much that we don't know. There are perhaps so many things that we think are good for us or fine, which are actually not good for us. We need a divine parent to give us structure and accountability, just as it is good for us as human parents to provide that to our children. As Amanda said in the children's time, the Ten Commandments really uh, can be separated into two distinct tablets. Commandments that pertain to our relationship with God, and then those that focus on our relationship with one another. And the first four really focus on a relationship with God. And I dare say that these are absolutely essential. They're the most important because everything else flows from it. If we get the first four wrong, we won't get any of the ten right. If we don't get the first four right, we won't get any of the other ten. So what are the first four? I'm testing you out here. You didn't know there was going to be a quiz in church 
It's the last time I come here, some of you are saying. <laughs> you shall have no other gods before me. Some of you are saying, oh, phew, I got it right. You shall have no other gods before me. I've said before that all of us, every day, you and I, everywhere we go, by what we say and what we do, we're indicating to ourselves and to the world that we worship something. For all of us, whether we're conscious of it in the moment or not, there is something to which we are ascribing ultimate value that we are willing to go after, something that commands the very best of us. That's part of who we are. And if we get that something wrong, we're in deep peril. And so it's laid out clearly for us. The one God, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you shall have no other God before me. Next, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below. Do you know what to me is so ironic about this commandment? As Moses is up on Mount Sinai receiving the commandments from God, what are the Israelites doing at the base of the mountain? They're fixing for them an image of a God. Why? Because there's an inclination in those ancient Israelites that carries all the way down for us today is that each of us wants to make God in our own image. We want a God that we can manipulate and control. A God that becomes a cheerleader for our own pet projects. But God will have none of that. God is beyond manipulation and control. If we're to actually serve Him, we must give up control. Our desire to fashion Him. He shapes and fashions us. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Now, often that is taken as, you know, don't swear. That's good advice. <laughs> don't leave here saying, oh, the pastor said it's okay to swear. No, don't use God's name flippantly. However, this commandment goes a little bit deeper than that. Most scholars actually think that really the point of this commandment is do not use God's name to get what you want. Do not use God's name in a transactional sense. Do not use it as an incantation. God is not a divine genie in a bottle in the sky. That if we use his name or say the right things, we get what we want. Do you see how these first three commandments is a God who will shape and mold us as we freely give ourselves to him? And the fourth in the first category of commandments is to remember the Sabbath day, and to keep it holy. Set aside time for rest, for getting together in worship. It's vitally important. Not only, friends, does this, this commandment gives it this precept. It's one thing to say with our mouths that we worship God, but with our actions, do we back it up? Do we come together in worship? Do we set aside time for rest and to focus on God? Do our actions follow our words? This commandment points us to that. The first four are focused 
on our relationship with God, and we must get those right. And then the other six move into our relationships with one another. So if our life is lived under the aegis, the control, the rule of the love of God, which is evidenced in our worshiping Him and Him alone, in using His name properly, in worshiping Him, in setting aside time as He commanded to rest and to rejuvenate with Him as the focus in the center. If we get that right, then that love between us and God will then flow out from us to those around us. And these six other commandments will follow. In the way we treat other people, the way we speak about other people, the way that we view other people. Do we view people as a means to an end? As so much of the world around us does. Or do we see people as others made in the image of God, capable of receiving His love and allowing His love to work through them just as it has worked through us? In John chapter 2, Jesus is filled with holy and righteous anger. And why is that? Well, the temple, this place of worship of God, the place where God's very presence was said to dwell, had become perverted. When folks would come from all around the area for the Passover, they would travel uh, with animals and with Roman currency, which was the currency of the day. But when they would get to the temple they would have to convert that currency into temple currency. And they would have to often take their animals and exchange them for animals who were clean and pure. And in this large, vast area, this portico, this porch that would lead up to the temple, there were those who would take and who would convert that for them. But do you know what they were doing? They were charging exorbitant rates. They were ripping people off. They were lying and deceiving them. And so Jesus comes in, and in that milieu, he starts to turn things over. Why? Because the people there, who ostensibly were there to promote the worship of God, had forsaken and forgotten the Ten Commandments. They had forgotten about true relationship and worship with God, which then affected their relationship with others. Because they got the first four wrong, they were then able to misuse and to abuse others, to rip them off, to steal from them. And Jesus comes in, and he sees what has happened, and he starts to turn everything over in anger. Because true worship of God, right relationship with him, had been perverted. These are challenging texts today to you and me, because here we are in church, and so often don't we think we have it right? Hey, we're good Christians. We showed up in church. Oh, the Bible is the most incredible mirror to our own lives. And today, on this third Sunday of Lent, these texts are held up in front of us. And lest we think, oh, those poor people getting it wrong, look at me, I've got it right. We know that pride comes before a fall. Friends, examine your hearts. There's no deeper, greater work than you and I can do than to allow the Spirit of God to examine our hearts, to make sure that we are in right relationship with God, 
that His love is purifying us and flowing through us so that we are able to love those around us. Because when those religious teachers came to Jesus with the Ten Commandments ringing in their ears, and they said, Teacher, what's the greatest of all the commandments? The first four and the latter six. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. With everything you are, align it with the love of God. And then, because that is right, then love your neighbor as you love yourself. Friends, for you and I to be conduits of the life-changing love of God, there is no greater thing than you and I can do. Amen? Amen.